We're doing something a little different today, something that we've never done before, and I thought, man, instead of me standing up here and you guys just hearing me give like a three-point message, I thought, why not have some dads up here with me, and so at this time, I'm going to call Jared London to the stage. He's going to come up here, so come on, Jared. I'm going to also call Rodney Britton to the stage. Come on, Rodney. Come up here with me, guys. Come on, give these guys a big hand. Wherever you want to sit, buddy, it's fine. You can have whatever you want up here, buddy. Whatever's not bolted down, you can have it. But come on, that's fine, brother. We got plenty of paper. Have at it, man. There you go. So I thought what we'd do today, guys, is is call some uh, some dads, some granddads up here. And uh, talk a little bit, ask some questions. And uh, so what I want to do first is I want to start with Jared. And we've got a few questions that we're going to ask these guys. We're going to have some funny moments today, may even having some, some heartfelt moments today. And then at the end, each one of us is going to give maybe a short devotion. So, uh, so anyway, Jared, the first question, man, that I want to ask you is just simply tell us a little bit about you and your family. Um, again, my name is Jared London, my wife, Heather i got two kids, uh, daughters eight, Chloe, and my son is five. His name is Jackson. Um, we've been married for nine years. <laughs> Brother. Well, look, no, i got proof because i got a, I got a knife that says happy nine-year anniversary on it. Amen. Um, Amen. We, uh, we run a small business, sort of a family deal for us. Um, my wife and I have been dating since... Uh, Seventh grade, Aww. before we got married. So we've known each other for a little while. Go ahead, buddy. Good stuff, man. Way to go. Rodney, tell us a little bit about your family uh, dynamic. My name is Rodney Britton. Uh, my wife, Gail, with us here. And I've been, uh, well, we've been married 35 years. We have two daughters. Uh, they yeah, are, give them a hand, man, yeah. right there. Yeah, let's not, let's not miss that. That's good. Yeah. It's taken a lot of work <laughs> for my wife. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, the two daughters, uh, one is Catherine, one is Rebecca. Catherine's a second grade teacher in Kenansville. That's in the Duplin County area. Uh, she's married to Ben Hardy. And my uh, youngest daughter is 28. Uh, she's married to a gentleman that's in the Air Force. His name's Anthony Richard. And uh, they have two children. That's my two grandchildren. Abigail is five. Mason is two. They're both going on 30 years old, though. Uh, so that is a little bit about myself. I've, I've, I work at a radio station right now, but I've been in ministry, pastoral ministry, in the past for 20-plus years. So that's the gray hair and the wrinkles. Uh, and you Amen, know brother. Amen. <laughs> Well, good stuff, man. Well, um, so again, my name is Alan Peacock, and uh, my wife is Misty Peacock right over there. No doubt she married up, amen, when she married me, but I'm just messing. We actually have four amazing kids. Come on. How many families in here, you've got four kids? Come on, let me see your hands. 
four or more. Thank you. Come on, holla at me. How many of you know that is a different dynamic altogether? Different dynamic. I love you guys with like one and two kids. I love you. You ain't got a clue, amen? Get you about four and then come talk to me. But anyway, uh, so we have four kids. We have uh, our oldest is Samantha. She is 19 years old. And then we kind of stair step a little bit. We, got, we have Lane. Lane is our 17-year-old. Uh, Caleb right here is our 11-year-old. And then Aiden, my little AJ, uh, my little ball of energy is eight years old. So we've got them from 19 to eight all in between. And so some of you are like, man, what in the world? Look, I'm telling you, AJ was kind of like one of them. It was a blessing from the Lord. Amen. That's all I'll say. It was a blessing from God. We stopped at three and God said, hey, I need to have, you need to have another one. So anyway, uh, we've been married for, I don't know, a long time, baby. I mean, a long time. So that's our family <laughs> dynamic right there. Hey, for God. So anyway, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, we've we've been uh, we've been blessed and fortunate to um, to be able to pastor an amazing church and see God move in amazing ways. So it's been great. So that's kind of who we are up here. So now let's get to some uh, laughable moments, maybe some heart gripping moments. So Jerry, let me ask you the first question, sir. What is your least Finest hour as a parent. Uh, how much time we got? We got we we've got, uh, got kids in the house. So I got a lot need... to choose from. <laughs> yeah. Um, one that, well, probably two that stand out. Um, my wife is the. Uh, I'm gonna blame this on her a little bit. Um, Amen, brother. <laughs> she is the type that if if you give her 15 minutes, she's gonna take an hour and 15 minutes, and that. Uh, uh, she's shaking her head no, but that is the absolute truth. Um, so we were, Saturday or Sunday, we were packing up to go to the lake. Um, it gets, there's a lot to pack, especially when you have a wife like mine. You have to take your whole house and put it in the boat. Um, so I was already frustrated, and we got the boat packed, put it in drive to pull out, and uh, my, my truck has one of those reverse cameras on it. And as I put it in drive, the rear camera blinked. And my son, who at the time was probably three, was in between the truck and the boat. And I was about to drive forward. And it was one of those moments where she looked at me and I looked at her and we both knew, pump the brakes a little bit, slow your roll, you know. Um, I said then, I will never own another vehicle without a reverse camera. <laughs> And then there's another time where, um, you know, like I said, we're small business owners, so life gets crazy sometimes. Uh, she came into the office. My son wanted to stay there, which he never, never wants to. Um, she left. She's like, you got Jackson, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. About 45 minutes later, I pack up to leave. Just straight left him at the office. <laughs> um, luckily, luckily. You left your kid, man. Left him, left him at the office. He was in her office playing on his iPad or being a good kid, you know, being quiet. Uh, one of my guys called me and he's like, hey, uh, you know, your son's still up here, right? I was 15 minutes away, 10, 12, 15 minutes away. So I instantly, you know, feel like a horrible person, as I should. Call my wife, tell her what happened as I'm driving 120 miles an hour back to the office to get him. And actually, this is probably the first time he's hearing about this. So, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's lots to choose from. 
for, for, uh, <laughs> for our parenting style anyway. Yeah, man. Hey, man, thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that, buddy. Uh, Rodney, same to you, buddy. What is your least finest hour as a parent? Well, before we get there, uh, I'll just tell on Gail a little bit. She's done that twice. She left, her, she left our youngest one at uh, school one, one day when our uh, oldest was going to kindergarten. The youngest one went over into a different section, started playing. Gail took off and was gone down the hallway before she knew it, came back, and uh, Rebecca was just in there playing along. You know, she was, she was fine. She was fine. And then another, no, no, not after that, no, not after that. <laughs> But uh, I went and asked my children about this, uh, about the finest and the least there. And uh, here is the oldest, uh, Catherine. The finest uh, moments, and that may be a part of the question too later on, but I may be jumping the gun. But uh, the finest uh, part, she said, was walking her down the aisle at her wedding. And I uh, participated in that wedding also in helping with that. And coaching basketball with her when she was younger in high school. The least finest, giving all your energy to the church and not having enough for us growing up. I was present physically, but I was not in the moment at the time. and learned that the hard way uh, that later on I missed a lot of opportunities uh, to speak into my children's lives and to influence them in the way uh, that I should have uh, as a father. So I, I, I look at that and I learn from that, not uh, just dwell on that, but I can learn on that and we can take uh, beyond that to go with that. And here is uh, Rebecca's, what she says. I'll find it here on my phone here. And she says, the good was growing up. You took me on, you went with me with field trips to math Olympics, snacks after school, I was the good guy, and bedtime prayer. Amen. Hmm. The, hand, the bad was hands-off parenting, letting mom handle all of that stuff. Now, when it came to discipline, I had a hard time really disciplining my, my girls and giving them spankings or anything. They said, if you ask them today, they would say, this is how I discipline my children. <laughs> but mom took care of it the rest though so yeah man thank you for your honesty hey let me ask you guys a question as parents how many of you guys have left your child somewhere come on holler at me oh, thank you for being honest there's thank you for, look we even got a child talking about you better raise your hand because you know you left me <laughs> so oh man isn't parenting fun yes. it's great so uh yeah man the bad thing about being the pastor is you get to hear the least favorite stuff that goes on in my household. Uh, two things actually come to my mind when I was thinking about this question, the least finest hour for me, and it really struck me hard. Uh, I'm a church planner. I, that's what I do. I plant churches, and we planted uh, this church several years ago, The Awakening, and all of my attention, all of my energy, all of my time went into the ministry. And I spent a lot of time in my office. I spent a lot of time 
you know, with counseling and different things like that. Certainly nothing wrong with that. And I can remember one day, <clears throat> my, uh, it was Caleb. Caleb come to me, and I was busy. I was behind as usual. I was trying to get some sermons together. I was traveling a lot, speaking a lot. And Caleb come to me, and he was like, Dad, he said, um, he said, I want you to come outside and play ball with me. And I said, man, I, I'd love to. I just can't do it right now. And I kept saying things like that over and over and over. And, you know, I didn't even think about it. It never dawned on me until months later, Caleb came back in and said, hey, Dad, let's play ball together. And I'm like, son, I just can't. I'm busy right now. As he walked out the door, you know, I've never heard the, the audible voice of God, but in my heart, man, God said, you're missing the greatest ministry I've given you. And so at that moment, I had, you know, my desk, if you've been in my office, it's, it's books everywhere, it's papers everywhere, it's, it's a nightmare. I literally closed everything up and walked away from it and went outside and played ball with my kids. I say all that to say, much like you, uh, Mr. Rodney, I allowed the ministry and the stress and the, the, the drive, if you would, to dictate my schedule and unfortunately, for several years there, I missed the most precious moments with my kids, and I can't get that back. And, and I realize that. So that is a least favorite moment of mine. The second least favorite moment of mine is we charge Samantha because she's older. I'm like, look, go, you know, go pick us up some food. Go to Bojangles. Amen. Come on, give a Bojangles shout out today. Amen. So go to Bojangles, get us some food, bring it back. It was Sunday after service. And so I come back home and I'm sitting there and here comes Samantha and she's got some food and she's like, oh man, I don't, I don't have everything. And man, it was a hard day. It, it was one of those days where it's just like tripolar to the extreme. I mean, it was like craziness everywhere and I'm wore out. I'm tired. And she comes in with half of the food, I thought. And so, man, I just light into her. I do. I'm lighting into her. I'm like, how many times have I told you, always check before you, you know Bojangles is going to slice you a biscuit, girl. Like, always check. And I'm just, I'm lighting into her. And I never even looked at the boxes. I'm just lighting into her. And finally, I just get in my truck. I drive to cookout. I buy a bunch of food. I come back. By the time I get back home, the whole family had eaten. And there was plenty left. The food was there. I just didn't take time to look at it. So sis is over there. Because you know, sis being a female, she's going to work this angle. Because she needs some money. She's over there like crying. Like, I don't know what to do. I just can't get no more food. I just can't please you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, here, how much? Just whatever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So that was a least finest hour. And it was also a gut check to say, slow down. Slow down. You only get one time in this thing called life, guys. Slow down. If we don't have enough food, hey, Bojangles is still open. No big deal. And so that was a, a least finest hour for me. It really was. So, you know, I know you're feeling real good about your pastor right now. It's good. So, all right, let's go on to the next question, Jared. What is the best parenting advice you've ever received? 
Um, I've had a lot of good advice, but I think the one that sticks out the most for me was one of one of my guys. Uh, I've worked with him for 10, 12 years now. Um, when I first hired him, he had a he talked to his kids a certain way with such love, and he always wanted his kids around him. And uh, I wasn't a father at the time. A couple years later, we had my daughter, and um, I was always struggling with people telling me you know, well, you should do it this way, or they're not going to be independent, or whatever it is, and sleeping was one of them. She loved, when she was a baby, she loved to sleep in our room. Um, she didn't get a good night's sleep anywhere else, and that's something that we struggled with, and I talked to him about it one day, and he said, look, you got to do what's best for you and your family. Only you know what's best for you and your family. You know, these times that you have with your kids, they're, you know, more to what you guys are saying, they're they're fleeting. They're not forever. What the the what you're living in now isn't forever. There's going to be a time where she probably doesn't want to hang around her mother and I. Um, so we chose, we made a decision to, if they want to be around us, they can be around us. And uh, it's sometimes tough for my wife and I to carve out some time for each other. Um, but we go on a lot of dates, They're just family dates. You know, we go on places uh, we go places for vacation. They're just family vacations. We really enjoy our kids, and that that works for us. It might not work for everybody, but it works for us. And having that conversation with him was sort of, uh, I don't know, the approval that I needed from somebody that I looked up to to say, yeah, this is okay. Mm. Mm. Same thing for you, bud. Well, I'll tell you the truth. Um, when, when I saw that question, I'm going... I can't remember all that everybody's told me or shared with me. I'm old, and my mind is fading, so I <laughs> can't remember all of those things. But I remember uh, a, something I read many years ago that said, uh, stop waiting uh, for it to get easier. It never gets easier. The challenges just change. Don't focus on getting through the phase. Enjoy the phase you're in. I used to tell my family to, uh, on, on road trips that we would go on, I used to tell them, enjoy the journey, not just the, des the destination. And uh, that kind of backfired on me a couple times and has many times, I guess it would say, because I forgot to enjoy the journey myself, and they would say, enjoy the journey, Dad. And I, I would have to change my attitude about that. So enjoy the journey, I think, is, is a good uh, through, throughout all life, uh, and especially in your, in your children's life. That's good, man. That's good. <clears throat> yeah, for me, um, it's actually a phrase, and my kids know it by heart right now, so I'm going to get them to, to stand up for me real quick. Matter, matter of fact, Aiden and Caleb, y'all come up here real quick. Just real quick, stand right there. Because we social distance and everything. Just down there, brother. Not up here. All right. So what do I always tell you guys? Keep your... Turn around. Say it loud. Keep your... Always be aware. So keep your head on a swivel. Always be aware of your surrounding. Thank you guys so much. Eddie, you didn't say nothing, man. I appreciate you, though, buddy. Amen. <laughs> So that was the advice that I received years and years ago. And all of our kids, except Aiden, of course, you can ask them, what is the phrase that I give them? And it's simply this, 
keep your head on a swivel, which means, you know, hey, constantly, when I played football in high school, the coach used to always say, Peacock, keep your head on a swivel. Because I was defense, and then sometimes I was offense. But on the defense, you don't never want to let the guy get around you. So you constantly have to keep your head on a swivel. So I teach that to my kids. When you're in public, when you're out and about, keep your head on a swivel. Always be aware of your surroundings. Uh, you know, keep a clear head, a clear mind. Look out for things. And it means really twofold. Number one, it means keeping an eye out for things that don't look right the impeding danger that's out there. But the second thing is you're always looking for those what I call God moments in your life. Those, those moments where you feel God doing something, maybe God sends someone your way, and if you're, if you're not paying attention, if you're not looking, you'll miss that moment that God has given you to minister to somebody. And so for me, that's the best advice that was given to me. And again, I've passed that on to our kids as well. So are you guys getting anything out of this today? Yeah. Three of you. All right. Amen. We're getting somewhere. So the last question before we get into the devotion time is for our grandparents and Rodney being a great grandparent. I've got this question for him. What is the one thing that you've done as it relates to your grandchildren that has gotten you into trouble with your children? And all the grandparents said... Amen. Well, well, again, I asked my daughter about this because I've, I've not been kind of called out on a lot of things with my grandchildren. Uh, they just said, just you can beat them anytime you want to, but uh, no, that's not right. <laughs> they didn't get that, did they? <laughs> but they have said, and I think this is more my wife too, saying that there are certain words I need to kind of keep to myself. Uh, when around my grandchildren. I'm not saying I've been cussing up a storm in my house now or around them, but they don't want to hear their children, a five-year-old or a two-year-old, going around saying, you're a butt. So those are the things they've called me out on and said, uh, you need to call that back a little bit. We don't want to hear that. We hear that from them. And I do. I, I, I will say certain words that get out, and then I hear my five-year-old granddaughter over here saying it too, and I'm going, oh, no, uh, that doesn't need to be. I'm going to get in trouble with my daughter, and then my wife will beat me. So uh, <laughs> so those, that's probably been the most uh, things there, but uh, my, my, my daughter's pretty easygoing, and so she's, she's all right with it. She doesn't complain too much about my being a grandparent or us. She, she really wants us to uh, to be a parent to those two sometimes because she's got her hands full a lot of times. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, good. So, guys, how many of you know there are no perfect parents or grandparents? Come on, holler at me today. Amen. There, there are no perfect parents. There are no perfect grandparents. We're just all trying to figure this thing out and, and do the best we can with the help of God. And so I asked these guys to look at a really, really cool passage in the Bible in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, just kind of a little insight on the book of Deuteronomy. It was, it was Moses who's writing this here. This is the last uh, of his writings uh, called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. This is the last one. This is actually the longest sermon in the Bible. And Moses is writing this. He's writing to the children. 
here of Israel. So you've got these guys. They've come out of Egypt. They've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now there's another generation. And man, they're getting ready to walk in what everybody else has dreamed about. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he gives some really cool instructions here. And so I'm going to start with Jared and let Jared kind of talk a little bit about what Deuteronomy chapter 6 means to you and your family. How have you applied that in the lives of your kids? So take your time. Actually, I think I'm right. You need a stand? I'll get you one, buddy. I got you right here. said I didn't need one. No, that's fine, man. We're here. There you go. All right. First off, I'd like to take this opportunity to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in here. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first agreed to do this, it was uh, presented to me as like a panel discussion. Um, it sounded easy enough, but uh, this isn't my thing, so my brain was saying no. But surprisingly, my mouth said yes. Um, And then afterward, Pastor Allen sent me an email sort of outlining how this would go. And at the very bottom, sort of the fine print, it was, hey, uh, uh, matter of fact, I think I've got, it said, uh, he said he wanted us to read the passage, find a biblical truth, and expound upon it further. And that's not exactly what I thought that I was agreeing to. Uh, see, this isn't this isn't my thing. I'm uh, I'm a concrete cutter. I, I work construction. I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to Bible college. I actually didn't go to college at all. Um, <laughs> but when I read the passage, one thing sort of jumped out at me. Um, Deuteronomy six speaks to me about the importance of a father's role in his kid's life with respect to generational curses and blessings. In this passage. Moses was speaking to the Israelites, reminding them of the promises from God to their fathers about giving them things that they didn't work for. Um, He said they would have a land flowing with milk and honey, with big, beautiful cities they did not build, houses full of good things they did not fill, pools for keeping water they did not dig, and grapevines and olive trees they did not plant. (laughs) The first law was love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Now when I read that, I feel thankful for my family that came before me. My parents, my uncle, my grandmother who helped raise me, my two grandfathers who I never met. I realize a lot of that who I am, both the good and the bad, came from them. I realize that my actions today will have both good and bad consequences for my kids. Uh, the things that I do are like keystrokes on a computer, sort of, sort of giving them the programs or shaping the lens of how they'll deal with life. We've all probably heard the saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The Bible says it like this, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, all kids will interpret things differently. They've all got different personalities and understandings. Um, That's why I think for me and my family, it's so important to follow that first law, to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, because it gives my kids the best possible foundation 
to start building who they are, who they're going to be. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses warns the Israelites. He says, but then be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt, out of the land where you were held as servants. You must fear the Lord your God. You must worship him and swear by his name. Do not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people around you, or the anger of the Lord God will burn against you. He will destroy you from the earth. For the Lord God, who is among you, is a jealous God. That's, wow. Sure. Makes me ask, why? You know, why would God be jealous? Why would God burn against me? So I think about some of the times in my own life where I've done things knowing that it was against my best interest, knowing that I would have consequences. I think about some of the times that my kids have done the same and my feelings towards it, how um, I'll use the word righteous anger, how I've had a righteous anger towards them. Not, uh, we've all lost our temper. I've lost my temper more times than I can count. That's not the righteous anger, the anger that I have towards my kids. It's, uh, it's, it's an anger of love because I don't want them to suffer the consequences for their actions. Uh, if a kid was playing in a busy street, I think most of us in here would recognize the danger and get the kid out of that situation. If it were my own kids, I would probably show them some of that righteous anger. Um, so I understand that likewise, God's anger and God's jealousy are for my own benefit. He wants me to worship him for my own benefit. He wants me to love him with everything in me because that's what's best for me. I read an article about, I read an article about a study that showed that 75% of kids whose fathers were a regular attendee at church themselves became attendees when they got older. The same article states that if a father never goes to church, but the mother's a regular attendee, then only 40% of those kids become regular attendees at church. Many studies have been done that show the decisions and actions of a father will impact the kids as they become adults. I think about this in all aspects of my life, from what I choose to eat, what we choose to listen to, what we choose to watch, uh, what time I wake up in the morning, um, all the way down to how I talk to their mother, my wife. So I want to ask you guys to think about the decisions that you make in your life. Think about the, the impact of the decisions your father made in your life. Hmm. Understand the responsibility you have for future generations. Generational blessings and curses are real. Um, they are not mythical, magical spells. They are played out in the lives of future generations, and they start with our actions today. I want to thank all the fathers, mentors, and role models here today, because you deserve a thanks. You deserve recognition. You carry an immense responsibility every day. I also want to challenge you men and myself to put something away today that negatively affects future generations. Mm. Don't burden them with the failures of past generations, but try our best to pass on those generational blessings. Now, I appreciate your time. Um, Pastor Allen, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I will say this as a side, as I said in the beginning, uh, I'm not a pastor, I've never done this before. Um, did not know how long it takes to prepare something just that simple. Uh, now I'm obviously not a professional at it, but 
for every minute that you heard me talk, I've probably got about an hour in it. So if that gives you guys some sense of what it would take to fill 45 minutes or an hour every week, yeah. thank you. Um, and I want to leave with some scripture, Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in which the, whose land you are living. But as for me, come on, buddy. Amen. In my household, we will serve the Lord. Come on, give it up. Amen. Way to go, buddy. Way to go. So good takeaway there. So, preacher man? I tell you what, that's hard to follow there. He says he's not a pastor or a preacher. The <laughs> Lord laid upon his heart some great things right there. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, some of the things that, uh, that well, a couple of things that struck me as I uh, thought about being a father this week and a grandfather and, and sharing in this time was, first of all, how quickly children do grow up. It's here and gone. And uh, the short time to make a long-term impact on our children is the other thing. I, I shared just a moment ago that in, in my children's life, they have shared that, you know, I was kind of absent. And Pastor Allen has shared that too kind of absent in the sense of I was there, but I wasn't there in some of their growing up. And I allowed that to be a part of my wife's responsibility more than myself. And I missed out on that a lot. I missed out on that greatly. But it doesn't mean that I don't, I don't have time now to do that, even still with my uh, young adult children, with my grandchildren. And as my wife reminds me, even my two son-in-laws, I have a, a great responsibility uh, to share with them and to influence them in their lives as, as a godly person. So part of uh, what God has called us to do in the, in the whole framework of the family is to capture moments in the course of everyday life for the purpose of talking about Jesus. That's right. uh, Deuteronomy 6 here, Moses stresses that parents talk about spiritual things, and he, and he says, do it in an easygoing conversational style. Uh, the stress is not on formal teaching or training here. Uh, we should talk about them, as verse 7 says in there, talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall in bed at night. He, he doesn't say to lecture them or beat them up with the Bible. The idea is a, a casual, in, in your casual conversation, talk about the things of God. Let it be a part of your lifestyle. And again, you know, there, there are times we, we're tired, uh, we're frustrated maybe as fathers, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we come home and we're, we're, we're ill about something and we, we forget about the very fact that our greatest ministry, as you said, uh, 
And I was always reminded uh, my first ministry, my first congregation was to my family. Mm-hmm. And there were times I let that, you know, uh, depart from my mind. So we need to be ready to seize the moments and the teaching opportunities at breakfast, the normal interruptions during the day at mealtime, at bedtime. We don't need to force it down their throats. But on the other hand, don't be afraid to speak up. And don't miss the moment, the moment that's there for you. We have to be discerning those moments each and every day. Talk to them about the... The, the game last, just, just like you talked to them about the game last night or about the time you had just with them, the, uh, going out to eat with them. Moses is saying, let loving the Lord be a natural part of your daily life. Now, it's bad when we become poor models uh, for our children when we're only talking negatively about God in the church. And that happens so often. We need to teach our children to love the Lord in everything they do every day. doesn't mean mm-hmm. we're perfect. doesn't mean certain things are not going to come out of our mouths at times. But we need to remind them God is good. Mm-hmm. Always. Amen. Always good. Amen. And if we must always respond or have the answer or make everyone in our family think the way we think, perhaps it would be very helpful if we would just listen. And not say a word until the other person is completely finished. This Mm. is especially true if you have teens in your home. Just listen. Don't say a word. Learn to listen so you can take advantage of that teaching moment. Moses said, when you sit in your house at mealtime, at cookouts, at backpacking, at picnics, good for in, in walking in the park or in the woods or fishing, let your conversation about spiritual, spiritual things be spontaneous. Amen. What has the Lord been doing in your life? What is God doing for you as an adult? How has God provided for you? Perhaps a new job, a career change, your spiritual life, a promise that God has, uh, has made recent to you. Mm-hmm. When you sit in your home, seize the teaching moments in life. Sure. When you walk by the way, what do you talk about while in the car? As you journey through life, observe people and situations all about you and seize those teaching moments. Live in that moment because we fail to do that a lot of times. I know I did. But I've just been reminded once again, I need to be in the moment to Mm -hmm. teach my children, my grandchildren, my son-in-laws, whoever is around, and even my mother-in-law who lives with me, so just pray for me. When you lie down and rise up in those quiet moments before you go to sleep, there have been many times in our family where the whole family would just gather in one bedroom on the bed and just share about what's going on in life or what's happening in their lives, and those are special moments. Inevitably, it opens teachable moments on how the day went. Look for those moments. Your life is an open book. Yeah. Your family knows exactly who you are. Yeah. You can't hide that. You can't hide that. And you need to be sharing from your heart. Be real. Be open. Tell about the struggles you have, the heartaches, the pains, 
the things you are dealing with and how God is working in your life through that and how he can work through their lives too. Verse 8 says this, Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Now, Jewish rabbis during the days of Jesus took verse 8 literally and they tied what was called phylacteries on their clothing, on their, head, on their clothing there. They tied it on there. And it would, it would have the word of God in it. It was a little leather box in which placed verses of scripture that they could carry around with them. Now Moses is not saying that to us about adorning ourselves with religious jewelry. Again, he's emphasizing the need to continually teach the word of God. Let it be on your heart. Let it be on your mind. In verse 9 it says, Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. Those were called the mezuzahs. That was a small box containing a parchment of Scripture. Again, he's not talking about plaques on the, around your house or mailbox or a welcome mat. He's saying let the Word of God be written upon your lifestyle. Let it be who you are. Let the Lord demonstrate that His love is in your home. And share that with everyone else along the way. We cannot train our children to love the Lord if we don't first love Him ourselves. When you teach from the lifestyle you teach from, your whole person, you sharpen your child to face this pagan culture that we live in. And it's getting worse and worse. They need to know about God and what He's about. And know about His Word. And we need to share that. So your life is an open book, read by everyone in your family. What are they reading? What are they hearing? When we're sensitive to the spiritual life that God has given us, then we can share what he's given to us to our children and whoever else is in our family. I've always thought that it's strange, but we're never ready to be parents until after our children have left the nest. <laughs> We've got a little bit of wisdom then. Not okay. saying that I know everything. Know all about it. But we've been through things that we've learned from and that we can share with others. And each and every day, whatever stage of life you're in as a father or grandfather, you have something you can share. Jesus must have been extremely patient with Mary and Joseph. He submitted to their authority he had his priorities straight. He lived in harmony with God and his parents. And may the Lord help us to live Christ in this world today. And may our homes honor and glorify him. Thank Amen. You. Come on, give these guys a hand. Thank you, guys. You just put your mics right down. Come on, man. Give it up for them again. You just sit right there, buddy. We'll get it. Thank you. Yes, sir. That's fine. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> man, guys, I don't think I could add to uh, anything that these guys have said, um, you know, other than the fact that for men, again, whether you have a child of your own or not, uh, just being a man in society uh, carries a weight in and of itself. It's a weight that, quite honestly, is undescribable. 
uh, you, you've got the weight of, especially when you have the family, you've got the weight of the family, you've got the weight of the spouse, the kids, the job, the house. There, there's this weight that you carry that people don't understand. And naturally, our wives carry a weight, our ladies carry a weight, but it's not quite like the weight a man carries. And so many times in life, guys, that weight gets heavy. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about how in the relationship, we're carrying each other's baggage and sometimes it gets heavy. And it's not that you don't love them, you just can't carry it anymore and you put it down. So it is with being a man. It's a heavy weight. It's a heavy responsibility. But I want to tell every man in the house today that I'm proud of you for being here, for doing what you're doing. Man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know what Deuteronomy 6 is to me? Every year... I take a Bible. This is my one for this year. And I take all year long and I mark it up. I've got notes. I've got highlights. I've got everything that you can imagine in this Bible. And this will go to one of my kids. I'll have four of them. This is my third one. I take one whole year. Sometimes I take two years. Just kind of depends. I feel like Aiden probably take three years with his Bible. <laughs> but I'll take one to two years, and it's my devotion time. It's not a study time. It's a devotion time Bible. As God speaks something in my heart, I write something down in it. And this is the one for this year. This is it. It's really at the end of the day, all I really want to give them is this. I'm not giving it to them now. They're young. Even Samantha, she's, she's still young. But they're on my shelf in my office. And they're stacked. And one day when I'm gone... They'll be able to open it up and read. Oh man, Samantha, Lane, Caleb, Aiden. And they'll be able to take time throughout their lives and open it up and and read the special notes that I've put in here just for them. And you guys know I've been working on this for, I've told you about this. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to do this. This is just me. This is what I want to do for my kids and then you know later like a lot of years later Samantha like like way in the future when you finally meet the one like way in the future you're like nights so I'm talking like 30 years old when I have grandkids if the Lord should tarry I'll work on some with my grandkids this is what I gotta leave them this is it modeled by the way I live But guys, I don't don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it means for you. I don't know what it is for for you to, to leave your kids something or pour into them. 
I don't know what that is, and I don't know what that means for you, but you've got to decide that, and you've got to find that. Life is short. Scripture said it's like a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. Man, I was, I was thinking about I'll be, I'll be 45 next month. 45. I know I look 20. I know. I'll be 45 next month. And I'm sitting here like, dude, I mean, it's kind of halfway, you know. Because I don't plan on preaching when I'm 80. I'm just, I'm just being honest with y'all. I plan on just sitting on a deck somewhere, just reading the Bible. I'm going to let y'all handle it then. But 45. And I'm like, man, I, I, got, I got to get busy. I've got another one to do. This, this is only half of a year, and I've still got the rest of this year. And then I've got another one to do. I've, I've got to, I got to get busy. So I want you to stand with me all over the house. What is it that you're passing on to the next generation? What is it that you're leaving them? That lasting legacy, if you will. What does that look like in your home? What does that look like in your life? And I know we've got some, some younger guy like, like my man here. Dude, you look sharp today, buddy. You look, I like that shirt. Like extra large. I'm just saying. But anyway, I mean, you take these young guys coming up, man, and it's like, oh, I see the energy and, and, the, and just everything there. And I see my man back here in the back. He's getting ready to get married. Next month. Come on, buddy. So what are we as 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 dads? One, what what are we doing, man? What are we what are we pouring into these guys? You know, are we just looking at them saying, run, brother, <laughs> run. You know, what are we pouring into them to get them ready for those moments? You gotta get them ready, guys. You gotta get these kids ready. Look, man, I know these are, are my boys, but if you see them out in public, man, if you see them acting crazy, have at it, you know? I mean, you know, go ahead and get on them. Do what you got to do because it takes a village. We're in this thing together, you know? Funniest moment, I'll let you go. Funniest moment I ever saw. I was in Jamaica preaching one night, and I've never seen this before in, in, in America. Probably never will. But I was preaching, man. I was preaching so hard and it was hot. Y'all better appreciate some air conditioning, man. It was hot and I was preaching as hard as I could preach. And the pastor of the church, there was this one little child and they didn't have kids' church. Uh, now we're going to have kids' church as soon as we can. Amen. So we're going to open this thing back up. But they didn't have kids' church and there was one little fella and he kept walking back and forth and it didn't really bother me. But that pastor looked at that little boy and, and I don't really know exactly what he said but he was saying something to him he looked at the mom and he stuck his finger at it and he said something to her and the boy didn't stop next day I know the pastor got up pulled his belt and said whack up I said my god how am I going to preach after that I'm like train up a child in the way they should go I don't know Never seen that before, but that was their culture. Their culture was it takes a village. 
And if the pastor needed to pull off the belt, he pulled off the belt. And mama just sitting right there, didn't say a word. He spanked the youngin, sitting back down, blah, 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 whatever, and come back and sit down. And I'm just, I just kept right on preaching, man. I'm like, dude, if I stop now, I might be next. I'm just, I just kept preaching. We all got to come together. Takes us all doing this. I need you. You need me. Jason, we need each other, buddy. Got to have each other. Got to lift me up sometimes. Sometimes I may need to lift you up. As men, we need each other. Let's be the men God's called us to be. You know, one of the things that I wrote down, I promise this is the last thing. Deuteronomy chapter 1, as we're in Deuteronomy. And I underlined Caleb's name right here. We've got a Caleb and we've got a Joshua. Aiden Joshua and Caleb Matthew. So I've got a Caleb and a Joshua. And it was ordained why we named him that. We didn't just pull out a name and say, we're just going to name him John. You know, no, we, we prayed over it. And I underlined this for Caleb. And I put in a, in a wording here, Caleb, this is the key to life. That Caleb followed the Lord completely. And that's his note. He followed the Lord completely. That's the key to life. So Father, we thank you for moments like this. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. We thank you for the gift that you have given to all of us. And that is the gift of salvation, Lord. The gift to be able to stand and proclaim your word. And, and, and to do even what Deuteronomy chapter 6 and even chapter 4 kind of mimics that. And that is, Lord, to pour into the next generation. Lord, to give them something, Father, for life. To give them something to be able to withstand the storms that are going to come. And that's you, Jesus. That's you. Father, you're the one in the boat with, with the storm raging and the water crashing in. And, and Lord, I find so interesting that when you were in the boat with the disciples and the storm was raging and the thunder was crackling and the water was splat, you never woke up because of a storm, but you woke up when your children called on you. And said, Lord, care us not that we die. Immediately, Father, you woke up, which tells me, God, our voices mean something to you. And God, right now in this moment of, of, of preciousness, knowing that you're in this place, knowing, Lord, that you're touching hearts, you're touching lives, in this moment, let our voices be heard. And let us live our lives completely and wholeheartedly for you. Let us be, as it was said of David, men after your own heart, God. Life is tough and life throws snags and curveballs and, and we get entangled sometimes in things. But Father, in the name of Jesus, let our hearts cry at the end of the day. Just simply be more of you. More of you. Because we need you in our lives. We need you in our hearts. We can't do this thing alone. We need one another. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen. Come on guys. Give God a big hand clap of praise.